Professor Brian Cox, welcome to Home Time on Absolute Radio. Pleasure to be here. You've got a good tan going on. There's a oh, good tan over there. Yeah, we've just been uh, on tour in the States, which is, I've always wanted to do that. And as in, a, in a band, I was never successful enough to tour the States. <laughs> <laughs> we did a bit, you know. But, uh, but yeah, five weeks, um, 20 four shows or something like that and we finished in LA on Friday. Is it the same I obviously to say you didn't you didn't actually tour in a band but is it the same in that you guys are, are on a tour bus and that you're staying up late and drinking and then trashing hotel rooms is, is that so going on? clean cut I mean, partly because I have to stand up for two hours and talk about cosmology and it's a lot more difficult than standing behind a keyboard blocking away so it turns out that you can't sort of go the board. so actually I'm, I'm yeah it's such a a middle-aged healthy tour that we take <laughs> we take a personal trainer with us and just and just and, and stay fit if, if we can yeah so it's it's nothing like the old rock and roll days i've never i've never used a fitness item in a hotel in my entire life is that me a terrible person? i did once holiday in manchester but i think that was because i was bored <laughs> that must have been <laughs> you must have been pretty <laughs> bored. and it depends whether you're being euphemistic as well what do you mean by fitness item? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that kind of tour brian wasn't no, no, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is a big tour this uh, so you're, you're you're back but then there's still so much more of it to go yeah it started in the uk and um you know arenas you know wembley arena birmingham manchester all sold out and then, and then we went to the states and, and canada and it was a big risk because I, i'm not on television very much there but that all sold out as well and after hong kong next week and singapore and new zealand and australia and wow. then back to the uk for even more arenas fantastic you have to get a t-shirt have you got the dates on the back of that t-shirt, I've got a t-shirt on now but it's a uh, i'm going to spin around go on, it will go it. quiet for a minute He's not got the dates on the back. He hasn't He's got, not got the dates. I've got no. some with the dates on the back. <laughs> oh, okay. And the, the most insane thing, I thought, where would be the re- most ridiculous place to finish this enormous tour? And it's like a quarter of a million people have all gone. And so it's, there's a place called Svalbard, which is the furthest north you can go in, in a passenger plane. And it's right inside the Arctic Circle. And there's a little theatre there with 300 seats. And so we're playing there in October. Fantastic. To finish it. it off after all these hundreds of thousands of people have seen the big arena thing we've alluded to the music side of things as well a question that fascinates me is as someone who got double a gcse science Ah. humble brag well done well done richie but i've not used it what what drew you to music before science well it wasn't i i I was into astronomy from as far back as i can remember yeah was four or five years old so i always thought i would be a physicist or an astronomer but then when i was 15 um and i remember it really vividly my my younger sister wanted to go to see duran duran in leeds at leeds queen's hall which is no longer there good taste good bands uh, yeah and uh and my dad said she can't go she's like 13 or whatever you have to go and i was like i just want to do astronomy (laughs) so so i went to see and 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 my eyes were opened i thought you saw nick rhodes on the keys yeah Yeah. i want want to stand there and i want to be nick rhodes (laughs) we've all had a moment like that in our lives so i learned to play keyboards for that reason so there was no artistic (laughs) you know it's not that i was really into music Uh, it was just that i want to be a pop star yeah. like that and then when I was 18 accidentally joined a band founded by a guy from Thin Lizzy called Darren Wharton and, yeah. uh, and, be, and managed to make two albums so it was Fantastic. that it was a distraction on my way sort of an interval yeah. on my way from the, from the astronomy basically well speaking of about artistry and stuff like that let's talk about The Planets your new show on BBC Two which, which started last night what, what a beautiful programme in terms of the way it's made haven't science TV programmes had the, an overhaul an amazing transformation in, in the past 20 years I think we all remember what science telly was like when we were kids it was like old you know uh, lecturers in front of those old uh, yeah. you know whiteboards and stuff like that at <laughs> two o'clock in the morning so it really has had a massive change isn't it yeah uh, part of it is actually the the space missions so we know what these worlds look like 
Um, I mean, I, I made a program on the solar system 10 years ago, and we hadn't been to Pluto, for example. Yeah. We didn't know what it looked like. We'd not spent a very long time at Saturn. So part of it is we know. But secondly, as you say, the, the thing is that cinema quality graphics are now yeah, available yeah. uh, for, for television. And that makes a big difference. One of the big new ideas is we wanted to tell the, the past, present and future of these planets and so visualise what Mars was like. I mean, we know that Mars was, in a sense, more Earth-like than Earth four billion years ago. Now, that's really important because life began on Earth around 3.8 billion years ago. At the same time, Mars had oceans and rivers. And so being able to visualise that and being able to picture it is, is something I think that's only been possible on television for the last few years. Just because computer graphics have got a bit cheaper. Yeah. So you can do it now. I'm going to ask a very naive question off the back of us talking about these fantastic computer graphics, but there were moments last night when you were sort of like sat in this amazing-looking huge crater, and I'm thinking, yeah. I wonder where he actually is sat right now. Swindon. <laughs> Swindon, yeah, it's all green screen. I just, <laughs> I just stay in a studio in Swindon. <laughs> blatantly, obviously, some, some of these places, you, you know, you, you were there. This, was, this wasn't some kind of computer trickery. What, what kind of places were you actually visiting to sort of demonstrate what other landscapes would yeah. or did look like. That's called the Beringer Crater in uh, Arizona. It's one of the most famous uh, craters in the world. It's, it's quite young, and so it's still there, vast crater. Um, but a lot of the time, we used Iceland a lot. Right. And Iceland is a, is a great so my place mum. to... So my The food's fantastic. It does, it's fantastic. Uh, but it, it's... Uh, when, when you're, it's one of the challenges, actually. If you're making a television programme about Saturn, then... What do you point the camera at? Mm. There's yeah. only a limit to how <laughs> yeah. many great computer graphics you can use. So there are places, for example, there's a moon of Saturn called Enceladus, which is uh, one of the potential homes for life beyond Earth in this tiny little moon, yeah. uh, just a few hundred miles across. But it's got fountains of ice that erupt from the surface from subsurface lakes. Oh, wow. And those lakes have what's called hydrothermal vent systems on the floors, which are sort of hot water, basically, coming up. And that's one of the prime ideas, one of the most promising ideas for the cradle of life on Earth, is that 3.8 billion years ago, in such systems, carbon chemistry became bio biochemistry. And uh, this moon, this little moon, has those properties, we think, today. And so to visualise that, we found an ice cave in in Iceland, which is just sort of solid ice, like a glacier yeah. almost, but, but with tunnels melted by hot volcanic water. And it's sort of like what you might imagine in your mind. Yeah, I mean, it, helps, it helps you visualise it, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, the thing that really struck me with the programme The Planets is, uh, it, is the look at the solar system is almost like they characterised them like they were a bunch of friends, all the different planets. In, in terms of their stories, because you've got like uh, Mercury, it mm. was doing, had everything going for it. <laughs> they yeah. got knocked off course <laughs> by an accident. You know, not that a, friendly. It would have been an amazing guitar player. <laughs> yeah. that to him. And, and so, so some planets kind of, uh, you know, had their destiny taken out of their own hands slightly. And, and they, you know, they did, what, what happened to them was almost like a sliding doors moment. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's one of the, the key sort of philosophical ideas under the series is that the solar system is a system which sounds like an obvious thing to say yeah. but it really is the planets evolved together so jupiter has had a profound influence on earth uh, mercury as you said we think now that it formed further out in the solar system and drifted in close to the sun and i think we tend to think of our system as something that's just eternal you know, yeah. just everything goes like clockwork and that's it and we've discovered it isn't like that and the reason i think that's important is when you look at earth and you think, you know, how rare are places like this? This this planet has been stable for four billion years, from the from the from the moment life began 
around four billion years ago, yeah. it's been stable enough that life has persisted. And, and if you want to know how many other civilizations there are out there in the in the Milky Way galaxy, for example, then you need to know whether that's unusual or not. And actually, from looking at our solar system, as you said, Venus was Earth-like, Mars was Earth-like. They are no longer Earth-like, but Earth somehow. We're the last ones left in the competition. Well, we really are. <laughs> are we? and, and it's quite a profound thought, I think. This place might be quite rare. Uh, there might be very few places like this. Now, unless I understood it wrong, though, we're we're having our moment in the sun, but it's a long moment. Yeah. But it won't last forever. No, the the sun, unfortunately, is running out yeah. of nuclear fuel. What, um, Brian? What a downer, <laughs> mate! No, there's a, there's I hope you don't great, say this on your tour. Yeah. A, no, I do. There's a great. Oh, my, yeah, it's even more miserable on the tour. You have to face fact. But, but there's a great story. Patrick Moore once told me actually. He was giving a lecture, and he said, uh, and he said the sun will run out of fuel in about five billion years' time, and. And someone put their hand up at the back in a panic and said, did, did you say five million or five billion? And he said, it doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry Either way. But actually, it's five billion. So, yeah, th- these timescales are long. But I think it is profoundly important to recognise mm. that, that we are temporary. Right, our lives are temporary. The life of our civilization, the life of the solar system, is temporary. In fact, that you can put a number on the time when all the stars in the universe—the last star—will stop shining in the universe. There will be a time, and it's about mm. ten trillion years in the future. It's a long time. However, the age of starlight, which is the age that life can exist and, and meaning can exist in the universe, is finite. And I think that's a very valuable lesson, actually. So, what's your view on there being life on different planets and so on? Because you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit disappointed with where uh, aliens are at at the moment because I'm not, I'm not having bacteria as alien life. Well, this is a. Do you know what I mean? It's not the sci-fi I was promised, Brian, when I was watching television. I as a agree. Kid. There are two questions that when you say aliens, yeah, the, the, it is. It's a really scientifically interesting question. Is there life on Mars now? There might be subsurface, but it'll be bacteria, as you say. Single doesn't cell, count. Doesn't count. Enceladus, this moon of Saturn, uh, Europa, the moon of Jupiter, possibly, but there'll be microbes. I agree. So that question: Where are they? Where are the others? Where are the flying saucers? Where are the rest of the guys? Saying. Yeah. Um, and and we have you're, we have no evidence at all. Uh, astronomers have a name for it. It's called the Great Silence, and it's actually a baffling. It, it's baffling if you think the, the Milky Way galaxy has two hundred billion stars. Yeah. There are twenty billion Earth-like planets. About one in ten of them, we think, has an Earth-like planet. Where are the Where are the civilizations? Isn't that weird? There was that phrase that is it, uh, absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. That's true. Um, so, but but it is that when I speak to biologists, astronomers go. There's loads of loads of real estate out there everywhere. Yeah. Billions of Earth-like planets, they'll be all over the place. Biologists say, but it took four billion years to go from the origin of life on Earth mm. to anything that's even remotely sensible. <laughs> which is us. You know, so that that's a third of the age of the universe. And yeah. it may be, therefore, that there are very few places that have stayed that stable enough for long enough for a civilization to emerge. So I would say that, that I guess, my guess is there are very few aliens out there. And that's why we haven't seen any, because there really aren't that many. And that's it's kind of it's depressing but uplifting, isn't it? Mm. It means that, well, it's, it depends which way you take it. It means this place is unique, potentially very unique and very special in the Milky Way galaxy. But if you think about it the other way, that it's literally just us, that's actually terrifying, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, one of my favourite authors, said that there's only two possibilities here. Either we are alone or we are not. And both of those are terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are, totally. Yeah. Now, 
I have a question to ask that is very pertinent to today. I'm an Arsenal fan. It's the Europa League final tonight. Is it, uh, how did you segue from are we alone in the universe? <laughs> what is the meaning of it all? Is meaning temporary to Arsenal? It's very, very lonely There being is an going Arsenal to fan. be a pertinent question. It's being played in Baku, which is a very, very long way away. Yeah. It's a very hard journey scales, to make. He's going on his tour there, probably. <laughs> <laughs> what planet is closest to being able to stage a Europa League final? Oh, Mars, without a doubt. Really? Yeah, the, the only planet in the solar system that we will ever visit is Mars. Because Mercury is way too hot, Venus is even hotter, and the rest of them are gas giants. So actually, the, Mars is the only possibility. So I can say with confidence that when a Europa League final is held beyond <laughs> yeah. Earth, it will be on Mars. If they've got enough money, UEFA will go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing stopping. So so climate, and you could you could grow and water turf there if we took it up in a plane you and that kind of thing. Bit of a, you need a bit of a dome. You know, there's not the atmosphere okay. is a bit. But but you could do it. You could at least you could do it. See, at Venus, <laughs> ninety times atmospheric pressure, four hundred and fifty degrees Celsius, rain it. sulfuric acid. It's not conducive to good passing. Is it? It's not. It's, you're quite right. It's a nightmare away fixture for that. Way. <laughs> it really is. You don't want to be there. Get yourself on the Mars park and ride. It's better than getting congested in the centre, isn't it? Uh, uh, Professor Brian Cox, thank you so much for coming on Tap Two Radio. Make sure you check out the planet. It's an awesome program. It's on the iPlayer as well. I'm going yeah, to see yeah. him on tour. What's the next tour date? Oh yeah, it's in September. We're uh, in in London here. We're at the O2. Fantastic. And, uh, Manchester and Birmingham at the arenas, Leeds, Hull. Hull. Hull's got a new arena. I'm really excited about it. I've never been there before. So there's, yeah, a load of dates, all in September. Massive show. Yeah. We ask her, what is the meaning of it all? And uh, I, I would tell you now, but I'll answer it on the on the tour. So hey, you, you, can even, you can even add in about future uh, football venues as well, if you want. Yeah. Now. I, there you actually, go. I should say I don't know the meaning of it all. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, I was, if I knew the meaning of it all, I'd charge a lot more for tickets. <laughs> uh, Professor Brian Cox, thank you so much. Thank you. 